ask you a question, what is the church's mission, I'm sure you would all throw back something at me very, very differently. If I would say, what is the point of church? What is the point of the church, capital C, not just Hope Community Church? You would all have varying answers, but loosely based around the same kind of thing. I would say very easily, the point of the church, the church's mission is to make apprentices of Jesus and for them to grow in faith, hope and love. You could, you could, you could explain it a million other ways. But so our mission, as we, as we launched, we've nearly been Hope Community Church for a year. If you remember going back to January, I know it seems a million miles away now. Anybody remember January loosely? can't remember past the Cricket World Cup, if I'm honest. Did we won? Um, January, we, we launched ourselves as Hope Community Church, and we talked about what it means and who we are. You can check out, again, the Who We Are series at hopeis.life.com. No, hopeis.life. There's no .com. Don't get confused. Um, there's a, a three-part series called Who We Are, and it talks about this. And we said Hope Community Church are a people that love Jesus... Love Jesus, live the impossible. I was testing you and the words were on the screen. Oh, I thought you'd all been listening. We are a community of people that love Jesus, live the impossible, inspire others. That means that first and foremost, Jesus is the center of our lives. We love Jesus unashamedly because of who he is and all that he's done. And because of that faith that we have in Jesus and the hope that we carry, we live the impossible. That means that whatever is in front of us, we know it isn't the end. We know that whatever mountain we come across, God can move. We know that we have enough faith to believe that we may be diagnosed with something, but God can change circumstances in the blink of an eye. So we live the impossible. People will believe all kinds of things when things are spoken over you, but we believe in a God who can do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And so we live the impossible. And we are Hope Community Church, a people that inspire others. We believe that if we live a life of hope, then when we walk into circumstances around people, we can change the temperature. We become thermostats because of the hope and the presence and the love that we carry. And so we want to be a people that genuinely love Jesus, that live the impossible and inspire others. Now, none of this is, could be, would be possible without community. Just, it just wouldn't. That, it's not just an accident that we've thrown it into our name. Otherwise, we'd just be Hope Church. But we're not. We are Hope Community church. And so community plays a massive part of who we are. Real community is essential for people, that's you, to thrive and for the church's mission to come alive. Community is essential to all that we are and all that we try to be. Now, community can be defined in many ways. But I want to just take us in three pieces of Scripture and we'll get a little idea through through the Word what it means to be community. The first one, just take notes. Don't worry about flipping through the Bible. We've got it on the the screens behind us this morning. Thank God for technology, eh? 
The first one you can find in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So from that passage of Scripture, I can gather that meeting together is quite important. And helping one another is also important. The second bit of Scripture is 1 Corinthians 12. And verse 12 says, Just as body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given up the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, I would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, how can an ear speak, by the way? If an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And it is, there are many parts, but one body. And so from that passage of Scripture, we can get that a, a body where every part is different, but plays its own function. Functioning together, playing their own, own role. That's what community is. Many parts, one body. And the last piece of Scripture is John 15, verse 9. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So community, from that passage of Scripture, is people bound together by love, okay? Or so we could, we could put that all together and we could say this, biblical community is apprentices of Jesus being together to help one another live the life of faith, allowing each other to play a meaningful role, living with each other in love. Does that make sense to you this morning? And so a biblical community are apprentices of Jesus that help one another. We, we are on a journey of faith. We allow each other to play a meaningful role and we live with each other in love. Now, you and I need community. It's impossible to do this faith journey on your own. Many people try. Many people dip into the life of the church and dip out and think that they can carry on living a life of faith. And when you're away from the body, 
you just kind of do not function. You are not healthy. You do not handle things. You are not supported or encouraged or spurred on. We need community. Now, the challenge is that actually real community is very, very difficult. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't go, oh, we are Hope Community Church, and then suddenly we all love each other, and we all hug each other, and we're all the best of friends, okay? It doesn't happen. You don't get instant community. It doesn't just happen by just turning up into the same room at the same time. People are not always quick to give themselves to relationships for a million reasons. We don't always value everyone, and we don't always let them play their role. We don't always relate to each other in love. No one here is saying, we have got this made. This is what we are reaching for. This is what we are aspiring to. And so we have to ask the question, what actually creates community Or how do you build community? And for the rest of this morning, I want to give us three conditions that will help us build community, that will help us be Hope Community Church. And number one, one of those conditions is we must have a common purpose. Now, our culture is dominated by individualism. It's no longer the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The trinity of this day and age is me, myself, and I. That's what matters. Individualism, individualism, individualism. Forget the dual. Individualism. Did that sound right? It sounded Welsh. Individualism elevates the individual above everything else. Wherein we are in pursuit of our own desires and our own goals for the sake of everybody else. We're not thinking what is best for the group. We're not thinking what is the best for our community. We're not thinking what is the best for humankind. We are in pursuit of our own individual needs. We just look out for number one. What are my needs? That becomes our mantra. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? When we meet together, we meet as individuals focused on our own wants and our needs. And we're not community focused. We're not focused on common interests. And so to build community, we need to move away from individualism and build around a common purpose. In healthy places of community, the individual is valued, but the community values something larger than the individual. And now for us as Hope Community Church and for every other church across this great nation, that common purpose is Jesus Christ. Philippians 3 verse 7 says, Whatever we're gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. 
to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining the, the, the resurrection from the dead. Paul couldn't have said it much better. Throughout the book of Philippians, some of you would have dipped into discipleship explored through the academy. We go through the book of Philippians and we always see this place where Paul is. The first thing that matters to Paul is knowing Christ. Whatever happens in his life, all he's interested in is knowing Christ because Christ is worth it. And like Paul, Christ is, should be, preeminent in our lives. He's the greatest thing. I love rugby. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my home. I love my job. But none of it would be possible without Jesus in my life. If Jesus wasn't in my life, I wouldn't be able to function as Liam. (laughs) Someone else was laughing at me then. I wouldn't be able to function as Liam without Christ in my life. So he has to come first. He has to be there. He has to be preeminent. He has to be the greatest thing because he helps me be everything else to everybody else. And our faith invites us to think of others more than we think of ourselves because of the relationship that we have with Christ. Philippians 2 Verse 3 says, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so when we take up this invitation of knowing Jesus and modeling what Paul writes there in Philippians 2, we find community. Suddenly, we're not concerned about ourselves anymore, but we're concerned about our brothers and our sisters and our community and the, 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 the street that we live in. How can we reach out? How can we be a blessing? How can we minister? What can we do for those that are around us? When we all look to Christ and his mission as the most important thing, we are united by a common cause and we find community. I don't know if I mentioned, but England won yesterday. And uh, they're set up to a hard game next week. And uh, we're playing New Zealand. Now, my boy Samuel idolises one player particularly, and his name is Sam Underhill. I don't know if you follow rugby at all, but there's, in rugby union, there's two positions, open side and blind side flankers. I'm boring you with rugby knowledge now, but I'm getting there and I love it. A seven and a six, they stand on either side of the scrum. You know what a scrum is? The big brutes of guys, right? A seven and a six. Now, their job is to go after the ball wherever it is for the sake of their own bodies, and, and if you look at some of the messes that they find themselves in, some of the scrapes that they find themselves in, you would just be in awe of what they put themselves through. Now, if, if Sam Underhill went after the ball and thought, actually, I'm not doing that because I'm going to hurt myself, okay? This, this is going to cost me something. 
Now, England, I'm telling you now, England wouldn't have beat Australia yesterday. Did I mention that they beat Australia? They wouldn't have beat Australia yesterday and they won't be playing uh, New Zealand next week if it wasn't for Sam Underhill and his work yesterday. He made over 20 tackles. In the, that is, uh, that's unbeknown. It doesn't happen. Players make that many tackles in an international. I'm boring you, aren't I? I love it. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, Sam Underhill... His common purpose is to see England get to the final of the Rugby World Cup. That's what he's after. That's what he's fighting for. But it's not just Sam Underhill. It's every single player on the English team. And it's probably every single player that is still in the World Cup right now. Their aim, their purpose is to go after the World Cup. If a team was full of individuals and all they, they were bothered about was their hairstyle and the colour of their boots, like football teams, it would be tragic. It would be tragic. And we have to have that same heart and passion that we're united by the common purpose that is the mission of Jesus the relationship that we have with Jesus. How can we live for him? How can we serve him? How can we see him move in our lives? And church fails to experience true community and fails to advance the cause for Christ when its members are just interested in themselves and not the common purpose. I don't even like talking about membership. I don't like using that language because... I'm a member of a gym. I pay a subscription to a gym and I turn up and I expect to get everything that I'm entitled to because I pay for the service. I'm a member. I can stay away from the gym for three months at a time and feel no guilt about it, although you will soon notice, believe me. But I'm a member of a gym. When we walk into church with that membership mentality... We do the same thing. I can stay away from church for four or five months if I really want to and nothing really matters. I'm just a member. I'm not invested into the life and the mission of the church. I'm not engaged in what it's trying to do in our community. But if we talk about partnership, it becomes something very different. We are in this together. We are united by our common purpose. We are partners in the gospel. Seeing the mission of Christ fulfilled in our lives and our community. We are invested in the life of this church. And so what, how we talk about it is very important. And so we, we don't talk about membership. We talk about partnership. And we have partnership evenings where we talk about the history of the church and the future of the church and the mission of the church. So you get a better understanding. And we'll be running some more partnership evenings in the new year. But it's important how we set our minds to coming into church. Are we just a member? Do we just turn up sometimes and kick it and expect to get something out? And our common purpose is to see a community brought into relationship with Christ. There's no ifs. There's no buts. We don't sway from that mission. And so community thrives around a common purpose. Partnership and not individualism. So what else builds community as well as a common purpose? Common places. Isolation kills community. 
It's the noticeable thing about our, our society is the growing isolation. We have never been so more digitally connected. There is apps for everything. But we've never been the... the we, we, we've, we, we're lonely. We've never been so isolated. People sit behind their door and they don't see light. <laughs> they don't talk to people. They order everything on de- de- Deliveroo and Sainsbury's and all good supermarkets are available. This isn't an advertisement for those listening to the podcast. Um, they're not paying me yet, Sainsbury's. Um, we've never been so digitally, to connect, digitally connected. But it means that we can isolate ourselves from having face-to-face contact very easily. And you know, it's funny because we live isolated lives reflected in the makeup of our communities. Originally, a housing estate had everything on it that you would need. And so you didn't need to go anywhere. You would walk out of your door and you would walk to your shop, post office. Everything that you would need would be around there. And slowly but surely, it's all been taken away because now we drive everywhere. Cars came more available and our communities become more spread out. Most of the time we don't come into contact with everyday people anymore. We're all closed off. We go from house to car, from car to work, work to car, car to house. We miss those interactions with people. We get home. We do our own thing. We don't drop in anymore. We, you can be surrounded by people all day and speak to no one. A lot of places now, you deal with computers rather than people, and slowly we are becoming more isolated. I don't know how many times I've looked for the serve yourself because I just didn't want to talk to anybody. Anybody else? I've been in... in, in Dark places where I haven't even looked. I've just been looking at the floor and just didn't want to engage with anybody. And you know there's a hurting world out there that are lost and isolated and lonely. And that's how they live. There's no sense of community. Even, even in the flats opposite us, when we have, we've delivered sweets at Christmas, last Christmas we were talking, they wouldn't trust each other. Don't leave those sweets there. They don't know each other to trust each other. Who lives there? I don't know. They're next door neighbours in a block of flats. The walls are like cardboard. They don't know each other. We are so isolated. How many of your neighbours do you know now compared to how many of your neighbours your parents knew when you were a kid? I remember, I sound like I'm an old man, but I, I remember running around and going around anybody's house and getting a drink of water when I was a kid or eating chocolate or doing whatever I wanted when I was a little kid. I could just run into people's houses because the estate, that's just how it was. The other factor that fuels our isolation is our busyness. Busyness. We can be busy doing nothing. And actually, busyness is a condition of the heart and not just about having a life full of activities. Because you can have a life full of activities and not feel busy. But our sense of hurry, our sense of busyness can rob us 
from community, the demands of our time and energy. And the truth is we don't have time or energy to talk to anyone if we do encounter them because we've just away. We're too stressed out. We're not ready for those spontaneous visits anymore. We don't like people just turning up at our door. You need to ask for an invitation at least three weeks beforehand so I can get my best china out. And, you know, for families, our children are too busy. And we're running around after them. And the end result is isolation. It's ironic, the busier that we become, the lonelier that we have become. And so how do we fight isolation and experience community? Common places. Community is built by sharing space. Being close to each other. Being able to listen to someone's voice, not on the end of a phone, but next to you. We cannot remain isolated and build community. Our neighbourhoods, our culture, our lifestyle seems to work against community. And we must find ways to build and come together. And so we need to be able to see each other and talk with each other. Availability is important. Community is built when we care and help people when they need it. You're not going to be able to help each other, help one another, if you're just stuck watching EastEnders. On Sunday, there's a three-hour episode. Just watch that one. Don't frown at me. Some people do, Menina. Shake your head. What do you watch? EastEnders. Ah, John's just put you in it. We're never going to be available if we're always full doing nothing. We need to be able to see each other. We have to be available to help when someone needs something. And frequency, how often we gather, how often we're in the same place matters. Acts 2 verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, when? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favour of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now this is a description of an amazing community. The very, very first group of believers. And we are here today because of that first community. But they gathered Intentionally, they met regularly every day. Incredible things happened amongst them. They were constantly together. And the problem is now we don't meet as frequently in our community, but we expect to get the same results. We expect to see God move in our lives. We expect people to help us. We expect our community to grow. We expect us to thrive and be healthy Christians. But we fail to put in the work 
or gather in the space that we set aside for that purpose. The more we are together, the more we foster community, the more we get to know each other. It's not about simply just meeting every day for the sake of it. I'm not trying to con you into anything here. I'm not blagging you, but a little contact every day will go a long way with the people in your life. Surely you know that. To experience community, we have to get beyond the idea of just having meetings for the meeting's sake of it. We don't want to fill our church calendar with things just to say, look how busy we are. I don't want to be a busy church. I want to be a fruitful church. We don't want to see your lives full of hurry and busyness and activity. We want to see your lives full of fruit. We want to see you grow in strength and hope and understanding and knowledge. The most important things most of the time actually happen outside of meetings. The spontaneous things. The fun things, helping one another out, eating together, massive. Half of Jesus' ministry was around the dinner table. Meals have always played a part in building community. This will only happen when we are close to each other in the same space. And now we can all, we can all find excuses after excuses. And the the more that we use the excuses, the less inclined we are to be part of anything. And we're just happy turning up on a Sunday morning. You're not going to thrive in your walk with Jesus if your only interaction with the family is on a Sunday morning. That's why we adopt midweek gatherings, whatever shape or form they look like. Prayer meetings, community groups, academies, social events. You are allowed to meet for a coffee, you know. You don't need me sat at the table neither, too. What? That didn't even sound right. It's very easy to find an excuse. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we stick where we are because we don't, Get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes for some of us, our comfort zone is coming out of an evening. Sometimes getting out of our comfort zone is speaking to someone that we don't know for once. Speaking to somebody outside of our circle of friends. We don't want to be part of a community where there's just a group there, there's just a group there. And thanks be to God that we're not. And I will demolish them if they're in front of me. Because they're not healthy to be part of a church family. If I went round my mother-in-laws, please pray for me if I ever do. But if I do, and I go in, and and suddenly my mother-in-law is just speaking to my sister-in-law, and my father-in-law is speaking to my brother-in-law, and I'm just sat at the table thinking, well, you invited me, and I'm here, but all you're doing is talking to each other. How long am I going to want to stay around that table? Give you an hour. I'll be off. I'll be off. And nothing in me will ever want to go back into that house. And it's the same. It's not just for us as a church, as a community here, but it's wherever you go in your workplaces. No one likes to be excluded from a group of people. And so we have to fight for inclusion. That whether you have been part of our church family for three weeks or 95 years, Ruth, 
You're, you're not even 95, sorry. <laughs> sorry. But whether you have been part of us for three weeks or whether you've been part of us since day one, since that great stone was laid on the foundations of this church, you are important. You are part of the family. You are part of the family the day you walk through that door. You're included. Community is built when we are united around a common purpose. Community is built by sharing space. And community is built when people share what God has given them. Common possessions. Consumerism kills community. We are a nation of consumers. It's staggering. Many people now, they live to consume. We buy things in a never-ending effort to meet our needs. And our solution to everything is newer, bigger, or more. We begin to value things more than we value people or even God. And instead of loving people and using things, we use people and love things. And the result is a lack of community. Acts 4 verse 32 All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. These guys were not just about pooling their resources, but they were willing to share what they had to help advance the common purpose of Christ. This impacted the community that they found themselves in. And real community requires us to share what we have with the community for the common good. And it's not just about money. It's not just about material possessions. God wants us to use our time and our gifts and our abilities to further his cause. We experience community when we share what we have been given, what God has given us to be stewards of. And this is the picture of healthy interdependence. We need each other. And when we structure our lives in opposition to this, we fail to find community. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. What would it look like if we were all committed to share what we have to accomplish Christ's mission? And that's the biggest thing is time. We're given time to steward over. How does our time reflect the glory of God, the common purpose of knowing Jesus? How much of your time each week is given to him. That's a challenge for all of us. What would it look like if we all used our gifts, talents, resources to reach out to our friends and community to show compassion to those who need it? What would it look like if we job shared? If we did half of a job and allowed someone else to do the other half rather than going... I'm not doing that for them. Why should I? What would it look like if we all pulled together and helped clean the church and Derek wouldn't have to do it every single week? What would it look like if we all put our names on the rotors and we all said, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to turn up, kick the can and expect something back. That's not community, people. We have to be intentional. We're launching our community groups again in a couple of weeks and we create space, not just for the sake of it. 
something to do because those guys that are hosting it, they bust a gut to get their house ready, especially if they have four children and a duck. <laughs> to get the place ready, to get it, host, you know, so, so people are comfortable and you're creating that space and then you get two people. Do you know how, how, how awkward that feels sometimes? Do you know how they think, actually, we were invited to this event, or we could have done this, or we could have been part of this, and suddenly they've created a space and no one's turned up. Now, if we thought about each other a little bit more, we would consider that each week. We would consider each other and how we can help each other, spur one another, with simply meeting together during the week away from the Sunday morning just felt this was something that we needed to go over. And this is something that we will need to continue to go over. Because we need to take a step forward. If each of us could give ourselves 5% more to the community that we're part of now, things would be massive. Absolutely massive. Our rotors and everything else running at the minute is going to change at the start of December. We may start playing around with different ways of looking after the building and serving each other. So just be ready for change. Change. It's a word we don't like. But we could all change 5%. We could grow in God. We could grow in character. And we could grow in community. That's the people that we aspire to be, isn't it? We want to be part of a community that loves one another and serves one another, meets together, supports each other when you're in need. 5%, guys. 5% of your week. How can you give 5% of your working week now to God and to Hope Community Church? What does it look like? I'm actually, for once... Not going to close in worship. I'm not going to close in ministry. But I'm going to leave you with that challenge this morning. 5%. Do you know, those teams that are at the top of their game, they're always trying to change 1%. The formula, Lewis Hamilton, on it, I'm talking to some of you Formula One geeks now. You know, their changes are tiny that they make in their car, in their driving style, tiny, tiny changes, but mean quicker routes and, you know, they, they win races because of the little changes. I'm not asking you to suddenly give me your car, unless you've got a Land Rover. Nope. <laughs> I'm not asking you to do drastic things. I'm asking you to think about 5% for a season. Maybe from now until Christmas, our community groups. Can you be invested in a community group? Not just, do you know what? I'm not going to turn up this week. Because when everybody does that, all that's left is the leaders and they're just deflated. 5%. Who knows what God can do in your life with regular attendance from now until Christmas? It could change your life. 5% could change your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.